Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Mapping the College podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's musical theater, college auditions. And today we've got a show so nice, they named it Manhattan School of Music. Liza Gennaro from that Manhattan School of Music is on the show, and we are so excited to have her on. Uh, I I remarked in the interview at one point how often we talk about emerging programs and that it is just amazing to me how MSM feels like it's been around forever, uh, even though the program is under 10 years old. Um, It's how quickly some schools can really feel like they emerge and establish themselves on the landscape um, from being one of those emerging programs. And oh boy, are our seniors in the thrall of making these decisions now, weighing different programs and their reputations. Many have made their final decisions and many are agonizing over those last few pros and cons. We're trying to get their finances fully in order before they put down that deposit. We are so excited to celebrate you all as we turn over the website on May 1st with all of your final decisions. And speaking of, just a little plug here, please make sure you do tell us when you make your final decision. Uh, we want to celebrate all of you, and we'd love to celebrate as many as you can, of you as we can on May 1st. So even if you're not ready for the public yet as you wait on wait list, we definitely want to know. And I will just say as a sneak peek from the results we know so far, 2023 has been an awesome year for our students. So many acceptances to big, big programs and some delightfully tough decisions from people who got into multiple great options, which is always our favorite problem for our students to have. Uh, For those of you who are feeling particularly grateful to the podcast for helping you in your wonderful, successful year, this season is always a great time for a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. As we try to increase our digital footprint, we really appreciate any help you can throw us in that vein. And especially to our MTCA families who use our coaching services as well as the podcast, please consider giving us a Google review. Um, We'll send you a link in an email as we send out your final decision. Congratulations. And we celebrate you. Um, But if you could consider doing that uh, when you get that email, it would mean the world to us. So many of our families write us incredibly nice notes via email. We get literally like hundreds each year, but it is especially helpful if you don't mind writing those notes publicly to help out our Google juice. All right, we've started talking about Google juice, so you know it's time to get to the episode with the great Liza Gennaro. Well, we are so honored to be joined by Liza DeNero of Manhattan School of Music. Uh, Liza was a BA in dance from Empire State College, a master's in dance studies from NYU Gallatin. Uh, she's a choreographer and a writer. She's choreographed the Broadway shows, uh, The Most Happy Fellow, Once About a Match, These are Revivals, um, and the Roundabout Theater Company's Tin Pan Alley Rag, for which they received an, a, tw- a 2010 Outer Critics Circle nomination. She also is a writer, the author of Making Broadway Dance, which was released just in 2021. Uh, She also represents the Manhattan School of Music, which is in New York, New York. They take class size about 27 to 32 and offer many degrees, including a BM in musical theater, which we're going to chat about today. Liza, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. I'm great, thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Of course. Um, so I gave that super brief bio there, but um, is there anything else that people should know just as they sort of about you and your journey to Manhattan School of Music and why we want to hear you talking about this wonderful school? Yeah. Well, as you said, I had an extensive career as a musical theater choreographer. I was a dancer first. I come from a theatrical family. 
I was raised in New York City and I taught from an early age from probably when I was about 20 years old. And then kind of as I was choreographing, I was also working at different universities, Hofstra, Barnard, Princeton. And I eventually came to the point, I have a daughter and I came to the point where I really wanted something a bit more stable. And I ended up at Indiana University where I started as faculty and ended up heading their musical theater mm -hmm. program. And from there, I stayed there for six years. And then in 2018, I was lucky enough to return to New York and take over as Dean of Musical Theater at MSM. I love it. All right. So tell me a little bit uh, in your tenure um, at MSM, what have you found to be the qualities that sort of make up a, a Manhattan School of Music student? Well, we are a conservatory. So that's very different from a university. Um, we are not a liberal arts college. <clears throat> it is a conservatory and we offer a Bachelor of Music and Musical Theater. So it's not a BFA. So that's something I think that parents and students really need to consider because it is truly professional training. It is very rigorous and they don't do much else mm -hmm. than study dancing, singing, acting, and everything that goes along with that music theory, piano, ensemble voice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that that's a major consideration. What I'm looking for with students is, of course, talent. That's a given. Everyone is looking for talent. I'm looking for creativity. I'm looking for individuality. And uh, we are not a cut program. We are not a cookie cutter program. I, I am interested in what each individual has to say and what they will want to do with their individual careers mm -hmm. and drive. I need students who are really committed. Yep. Not necessarily to being performers because I really feel that students have, the college experience is a four year journey. And that goes as well for the conservatory. So if they come in thinking they want to be performers, we're gonna teach them to be performers. That's, mm -hmm. that's a given. But they might also decide that they wanna choreograph or they wanna write or they wanna compose or they wanna direct. And, and Manhattan School of Music is set up very well to offer them those sorts of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we put assistant directors, choreographers, musical directors on all of our seven productions that we do. We also have a musical theater lab series where we have artists from, you know, New York artists who are working on works in development. They come in with students work with them. We have lots of opportunities for students to meet people who are working in the theater so that they can get a leg up and they learn about all sorts of aspects of the art form. Um, and so that they can figure out what they want to do with this art. And you're talking a little about the four-year journey. Just take me through, if you don't mind, uh, granularly, um, as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, what am I learning, especially as a musical theater major, yeah. um, over those four years? So the freshman will be studying, of course, dance, acting, and um, acting, straight acting, for lack of a better word, um, scene study sort of thing. And then um, musical theater, acting song. Um, they'll also be studying music theory ensemble and ensemble voice. And they have humanities electives um, throughout the mm -hmm. uh, four years. So those are the, their primary studies. Those are long days. Um, they are also a part of the freshman concert, which occurs in the spring term. They also get a freshman seminar with me, which is introduction to the form. Um, all many, many different aspects of it. And then as sophomores, they continue. So they have eight semesters of acting training. They have eight semesters of acting related to singing, scene mm -hmm. song, audition techniques, um, contemporary musical theater, etc. Um, they continue their dance training th through the eight semesters. Um, and then they have once they're through their freshman year, in freshmen, they're absolutely in the freshman concert. That's a given. And then there's one musical that they're permitted to audition for that happens at the end of the year, which is a musical in development. As sophomores, they hit the ground running in August. They audition for the five book musicals that we perform um, and they are cast. So they're working long days on all the different aspects of the training. And then we rehearse from seven to 10. So it's very rigorous. 
you mentioned the Bachelor of Music as opposed to a BFA, which mm -hmm. we've talked about some of those distinctions before, but is there a, a discipline of the three that you feel like you focus more on? Is, is it more dance focus, more music focus or singing focus or more acting focus? I think it's singing and acting primary focus and then maybe a little bit down is the dance focus. They take three dance classes a week and they have, um, those are our 20 minute classes, mm -hmm. one hour, 20 minute classes. And then they have um, elective options as sophomores. Some can squeeze it into the schedules, but mostly juniors and seniors can add another dance class. So they will be uh -huh. dancing five days a week. But the acting, the singing, and the musicianship um, is a big part of what we do. And is there more musicianship than you might see at a standard BFA musical theater program, given the BM? I think so. We have two terms of music, pretty intense music theory, two terms of ensemble voice, um, and they also get piano. Uh -huh. And then, of course, they have their individual voice lessons. And the caliber of the um, productions that we do is very high. We have David Loud, who is a noted musical theater conductor and arranger. He's our music director for the program and he does two shows a year um with us and then he musical directs two shows a year and then he also teaches um two to three courses mm -hmm. um and then our voice teachers are excellent and judith clerman who is the head of essential voices does the ensemble voice along with richard baskin it's a great faculty of course being in new york you have the advantage of having mm -hmm. very excellent professional level faculty. Totally. Well, and, and you mentioned some of the sort of cross-disciplinary within the musical theater world training that you're getting. Is there any kind of crossover between the piano and the vocal arts and the, like in terms of how the music uh, degree works there, am I getting, and if I have an interest in opera, if I have an interest in other things, am I getting those kind of classes or is that more uh, um, difficult to schedule it? Yes. Um, so if a student comes in playing a music, uh, a musical instrument, there are ways in which that student can take private lessons with one of the many faculty and orchestra. Um, so that's that's an additional um, perk to being part of the school. So opera is a separate program. We interact with them in terms of having different sorts of sometimes production opportunities that we both have, but mm -hmm. our students do not have the opportunity to study there and theirs don't really study with us either. Um, it's just because it's two separate lines and the schedules are tight. We do oh, have a thing we're doing now. We've developed a relationship with Disney, a collaboration. So Disney is coming in. They have their many of their shows, Beauty and the Beast, Mary Poppins, they do them in different versions. So for high schools or for the cruise mm -hmm. ship or for wherever they're going, they need to recreate the orchestrations for whatever the venue is. So what they've been doing is they come up with the orchestration, then they go down to Nashville and they record it, but they haven't had the opportunity to work on the shows with singers in New York City. So they came to us, singers and orchestra. So they came to us, so our orchestra students and our opera and musical theater aud students auditioned for them. We've done Beauty and the Beast so far and we have Mary Poppins coming up and they do a sing through hmm. and a play through of the shows. Of course, it's just another great opportunity for them to be working on a high, very high level of music and to again, make the networking opportunities with Disney. Super cool. And these are like the for, you know, Mary Poppins Jr. or for Mary. Exactly. It's for different versions of the show that are existing. That's really cool. Yeah, it's um, very cool. One thing I missed in the disciplines was just talking about dance classes and like leveling. How does it work with if I come in as a beginner or if I come in as a more advanced yeah. dancer as a freshman? We have two levels in the dance classes, um, a, a slower level and a faster level. Um, the uh, classes are combined. So freshmen and sophomores dance together and juniors and seniors dance together. And there's two sections of each class. Uh -huh. Totally makes sense. Um, you mentioned some things in terms of like humanities electives of the outside the theater program and also that it's not a huge uh, um, opportunity, uh, you know, in terms of a full university. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of what the MSM experience is both in terms of whatever those other academic possibilities are, and then also just in terms of what is the school experience outside of the theater program. Yeah. So we, as I said, it's a rigorous program. So I keep the students extremely busy. Um, and that's really the focus of their time. 
quite a few of our students have jobs on the weekends outside of um, you know the five week cl of classes. Um, and of course, we're in New York City, so there is an extensive cultural scene for them to take part in, as well as um, you know, fun, whatever they do for fun when they go about it. <laughs> These kids, whatever they do um, for fun. <laughs> but um, they they have they stay busy. They seem very very happy. Um, they are certainly stimulated by the city and the art form and all of the different cultural events that are available to them. In terms of the humanities, the courses are pretty much, I would say they're catered to the arts. So they're dealing with different issues around the arts, but it's a very high level of scholarship. We've got some really wonderful humanities teachers. Um, I love that you mentioned you know, New York City and I think, uh, it's a big draw for why a lot of people choose to want to come to school. A yes. lot of our students will say, I want to go to school in New York City. Uh, where do you feel like your breakdown of students, I know you won't have exact numbers, but do, do you have a sense of how many come from the Northeast or the, even the New York City area? How many come from all over the country, all over the world? Where do you sort of see your breakdown of, of students entering? And then I'd also love to kind of hear where do they end up? How, how many people stay in New York City versus go to LA or Chicago or go around the countries? So or where do they come from and where do they end up? Yeah, they're from everywhere. Um, we have students from the East Coast, the Midwest, the West Coast um, of the states. We have students from China, Latvia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, can't think of them all, the Bahamas, students from all mm -hmm. over. Um, and the school is itself, I mean, that's within the musical theater program. The school itself is very international. There's every, every country is represented pretty much at MSM. Um, we are seven years old with the program. We're only seven years mm -hmm. old. Two of those years were in the thick of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it's a little hard for us to gauge yet because we don't have enough of a track record, but the majority of the students are staying in New York. Um, and most of them move out of the dorms as juniors or seniors. They get apartments in the area. Mm -hmm. Many of them have restaurant jobs or Starbucks or whatever within the area, the Columbia University area. Um, and then most of them stay in New York and start auditioning immediately. I mean, honestly, they're auditioning while they're in the program. Yep. Um, and we have had some students book gigs and leave for short term or take a year leave of absence. We do permit that. Let's get right into that. Yeah. So I was going to say, how does that work if I'm a junior and I book a Broadway show? Am yeah. I getting class credit? Am I taking a break? How is that working in terms of um, graduation? You got a Broadway show. That's an extensive time commitment. So you would take a year leave of absence. So you would leave at whatever term you were leaving and you would return the following year with the class behind you mm -hmm. so that you would just continue you would pause basically yeah. and then restart but it sounds like with smaller work you're able to work around it it's, it's not if discouraged it's, in the way it is with if, if it's up to a two-week job i will try to make it work for a student um beyond two weeks then it just gets to be too too much absence yeah. um but with up within two weeks we try to make it work for them I love it. I also love that you said um, you're seven years old. You know, it sounds like such a young program. I feel like I remember so many students of our students who were in that first class or in that second class or when it really was brand new. And now I think of you guys as old hat. I'm like, ah, come on, you've been around. That's not, that's not a new program anymore. Um, it's too funny. I feel newer if we hadn't dealt with the pandemic. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> that was right. a big, that was a big, uh, but we didn't pause. We kept going, but oh, yeah. it was rough. But it, it ages you. I feel like I, uh, as yes. I told my partner, we're like, I feel like now we've been married for 10 years. That's like right. it's somehow what happens. It feels like it's really, yeah. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about what you do. We're talking about working within school, but what you do to prepare your students, you know, come graduation to be ready for their launch into the business. So both in school and then any kind of opportunity with meeting agents, managers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, we do regular um, master classes with casting directors. Um, and we also bring casting directors and guests into the individual classes. So we're not only bringing guests in for the master classes, we're actually embedding them into the regular classes. Mm -hmm. So that's good. But I would also, I also think that really the different opportunities we bring into the school. So the Disney collaboration, the workshop and development, which comes out of the Fred Ebb Foundation competition, where they choose, um, they 
they grant an award to a songwriting team. We get that, whatever that show is, they come and can have the opportunity to do a uh, production with us. So that's another way of meeting a new set of artists. I bring new, I bring um, working professional directors, choreographers, design teams to all of the shows that we do. Um, so those are constant connections they're making. I also have the Musical Theater Lab series, which is another opportunity for new works to be done. So it's just a, from the day they arrive at MSM, they are making contacts with the people that they will be working with for the rest of their careers. So I think that that's um, one of the big pluses in terms of getting them prepared. We also offer them classes too. The, the um, freshman seminar class, which I teach, gives them, as I said, that introduction to what the musical theater is and how you kind of make your way through it. Then as juniors, they receive a um, career management course, which talks about contracts, agents, taxes, all of that business of the business that they need mm -hmm. to know and understand. And then that continues into their senior year as well, where they create their websites in the junior class, but then in the senior class, we're looking at them individually, talking to them, checking with them, and just continu continually prepping them for what's coming. And how, how many of your students do you feel like meet agents and managers, sophomore, junior, versus how many are trying to, are graduating and then then trying to meet agents and managers and, and worker? How, how many people do you feel like are actively doing that while in school? Well, of course they're meeting them on campus, but outside of campus in their personal lives, some of them come to us with, that, with representation. Mm -hmm. um, some of them get representation. I would say, I couldn't even like figure out what the percentage is, but I know, you know, less than half of them, I would say, uh -huh. have really pursued representation until graduation. Let's talk a little bit about cost. Um, so I know the price tag is not low no, um, is in not. terms of Manhattan School of Music. How does it work with scholarships um, in terms of, you know, are, are you able to get academic scholarships? Are you able to get talent scholarships? How could I potentially try to bring that cost down if I'm looking to go to school for- We offer time? need scholarships. Um, it's primarily need scholarships. Um, and I think to some degree, some talent scholarships as well. There's a mm -hmm. president's scholarship. Um, we do grant a considerable amount of money. You know, around this time of year, all of our students are making a decision to either say yes to some schools and hopefully they have many options, say no to a bunch of schools too. Why do you find that students either sign on the dotted line and say, this is the thing that convinced me, or why do you find that students choose not to go to your school? They say, hey, I'm actually going this direction. This, I was more attracted by this other thing or, or turned off by this thing at your school. Well, the ones that come to us are write me. Usually I'm getting lots of emails recently um, as soon as they accept saying that they love the environment of the school. Mm -hmm. um, everyone is very welcoming students, staff, uh, faculty. It's a very, um, students are treated individually. Um, it's a very hands-on program, even though 100, it's not one of the smallest programs, certainly. Uh -huh. But I really know my students and I'm interested in getting to know them. And I'm interested in getting to know applicants through the audition process. I'm, I'm really not just interested in talent. I need to get a feel for who the student is how, what their level of creativity is, what their commitment level is. And that seems to come across to those students who choose us. They like that. They want to mm -hmm. be considered as individuals. They don't want to enter into a cookie cutter program. And they like the um, entrepreneurial um, aspect of what we do. We are very interested in students creating their own work. Mm -hmm. post-graduation and while in school. We have an organization called Alpha Psi Omega, which supports students in their um, productions that they're building on their own. It's a student-run organization. Um, they're currently doing a production of Rhinoceros, and they will then, oh, they also have a dance show coming up. Mm -hmm. So it's lots of ways for students to express lots of different facets of what they might want to do. So the student who wants to direct can propose that we do rhinoceros and the students who want to do plays can audition for rhinoceros. So it's just a constant finding many different ways for them to express themselves in the art form so that they're really ready. And I think that students understand that when they come to the school um, and when we talk about this with them, 
in the different you know meetings that I give for perspectives. I think that the students that accept are just happen to be the students who really um, respond to that approach. And what about the flip side? What about the students who say, hey, I'm actually going a different direction. If they tell you, here's why, why do they tend to say, here's why? It's harder to know that because they don't often, you know, they often send a very polite, you know, I'm moving on to another choice, um, which is fine. And everyone needs to do, there's so many great schools out there, you know, they can certainly find a school that fits for them. My sense is that it might be the fact that we're a conservatory. Mm -hmm. I don't think a conservatory is for everyone. I, and I don't know that people want, you know, we're one building. So it's a, it's a, it's the, you live there, you eat there, you go to classes there and you do your performance there all in mm -hmm. one building. Now, of course, it's set in the middle of the greatest city in the world, but um, nonetheless, it's not a campus environment in that sense of like a classic campus environment where there are grounds and space and different departments. Um, so I think that some students prefer that probably and want the liberal arts option yeah. of if they decide, oh, gee, maybe I don't want to do musical theater. Maybe I want to go into law. That's an easy switch if you're at a school like IU. You just can switch over to the law. Mm -hmm. So I, I, my sense is that, that that probably is what has to do with it. Totally makes sense. Okay, we're going to take a short break. And on the back end of the break, we're going to get into the admission slash audition process for Manhattan School of Music. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, we are back with Liza Gennaro, and we're going to talk about the audition process. So I'm going to ask, you got into some of the, the spe specifics of, you know, how you try to interview students and some of those great things. Um, I'd love to just ask in general, what do you think makes a great audition for you? What, what are you looking for um, when someone comes into the room? I'm looking for, I'm looking for a student who is clear about who they are. And that's a big ask for a senior in high school. Um, I'm looking for them to have a solid sense of who they are and what they're interested in presenting. I'm not interested in the overcoached student. I'm also interested in a student who digs into the rep and doesn't, doesn't go for the low hanging fruit and sing the songs that everybody sings. Um, if some, if a student brings in something that's not as often heard. It's just great for us to, to see that. That shows me that a student really has an understanding of the form and has really done their homework. Mm -hmm. um, they do two songs. So they're two contrasting songs. Um, sometimes students come in and they do two soprano songs. Not so interesting for me. You know, I can't get a sense of them. What students need to understand is that, and I'm sure this is true of pretty much every school, we're trying to get a sense of the student. Do they fit into our culture? Will they succeed in our environment? And I think that the more they can do their homework to really find material that represents them and shows us who they are and what they have to bring to the school, that's really what I'm looking for. I'm also looking for drive. I'm looking for a student who gets it. I'm looking for a student who has the musical theater aesthetic. And that's a lot of different things right now, the musical theater aesthetic. It's mm -hmm. no longer just one thing. So can you can you fit into what this world is? Um, so drive, 
and creativity. I mean, those are the main two things I'm looking for. And when you say clear about who they are, just if we uh, dive down on that a little bit, is that about clear about what what you kind of characters you could play commercially? Is it no. more cl clear about you know the sense of what you, yourself as an artist is? What would that look like in terms of clarity of who you are? Clarity in the sense of who you are as an artist and what you want to express as an artist. I'm not interested in students who are coming in and saying, I want to play so-and-so in Wicked. Right. You know, it's too far away, that conversation. They need to have a sense of what they want to do and not try to fit into any kind of box from, from my perspective. I think that's what they, I think that that's going to give them a longevity in a career. Could not agree more. Um, what about on the different audition platforms? So from auditioning in person, um, if you're watching videos yeah. versus if you're doing a, a live Zoom audition, how do you find uh, any audition differences or is there any different in things you're looking for on the different platforms? Well, the first phase we do a, um, you know, the, the first phase of the audition process is a self-recorded mm -hmm. two songs, a monologue and a dance. So with that, I'm basically just trying to get the sense of the students' talents, a little bit of a sense of material choice and creativity, what kind of homework they've done, how creative they are with the monologue and the songs. Um, dance, I'm really just trying to get a sense of how they move. They don't have to be a dancer dancer or a trained dancer. I just have to see if they've got rhythm, coordination, that kind of thing, flow. Um, so that's really a kind of a, base level, my taste mm -hmm. in performers. Um, then they bring come to campus. And when they come to campus, we start with a dance call. Um, we give a combination. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination that you can do if you don't have a lot of training. And if you do have a lot of training, you can really do it and show us that you have a mm -hmm. lot of training. So that's nice. We get to see who they are. And then I always sit them down after the dance audition and talk to them and ask the everyone answers a question and I just kind of go around the room and I ask them what's their favorite musical or what would they do if they couldn't do musical theater what's their favorite academic subject and then I kind of get a feel for who they are then they take a tour of the school they come back and they come in one at a time and they sing and they perform their monologues and that's when if I have questions for them, I ask then, I try to get them talking, but you know, and this is in the professional theater as well. As soon as that door opens and they walk into the room, you get a lot of information. Mm -hmm. You figure out, you can see how they manage the accompanist, how they move to the center of the room, um, how they get the song started. Um, all of those things add up to tell me who this person is mm -hmm. and will this person fit in my program. Mm -hmm. So true. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the requirements in terms of, um, you know, you have uh, obviously similar enough requirements to other schools, but um, specifically it says one classic musical theater piece and one contemporary musical theater piece from the last five to 10 years. Um, I'm just wondering a little bit about like, do we know what the impetus behind the last five to 10 years as opposed to something from the 80s or whatever? I think that's changed a bit since that wording is there. Oh, um, we do, we do permit um, songs that were not from the last five years. What we- what You don't mean the musical, you mean the last five years. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, that would be a very strange From requirement. You must do years. last five years material. No. I mean, they could be doing musical theater songs from the 1920s, it's fine with us. Totally. Um, but we also urge them to, the, what's on the website currently is that we urge them to find material of underrepresented artists. Uh -huh. So that we are expanding from the get-go that you take your first step into MSM, you're thinking about who's underrepresented uh -huh. and how does that work within the context of the program? Because that's a very, very important to us and something that we've worked very hard on. So um, yeah. I love it. Um, okay, well, you mentioned all the aspects of an audition, which leads me to my favorite question of, how much for MSM do you feel like the decision to admit a student? How much is about the skill displayed in their work, whether it's the songs, monologues, dance, and how much is about those intangible factors of how they walk in the room, the interview question, if you give them adjustments, how they talk to the accompanist, how much is in camp A versus camp B? Well, it depends on the student. Um, because somebody could come in and knock you out with the talent level, but seem 
um, maybe shy or withdrawn in some way. Uh -huh. um, somebody could come you come in and you know do a solid audition, but just seem fabulous. High mm -hmm. energy is another thing I've forgotten to say. Um, I want students with high energy. Mm -hmm. Musical theater requires enormous amounts of energy. So somebody sings like a bird, but the energy level seems low to me. That's a concern. Uh -huh. um, it's just individual. I'm just really looking at each one individually and look, trying, trying as best I can in the short time we have to see the whole picture. Totally. And as you're sort of seeing that whole picture and trying to form a class, what kind of considerations are you making of what the 27 to 32 are going to be in terms of, you know, are you looking for, I want some stronger singers and some stronger dancers and some stronger actors. Are you looking for, I do want a mix of different identities in terms of, you know, who these people are and what's, how are you, what are you thinking about, especially as, you know, we're at the point in the year where you admit some people and then they either say yes or no. And that's a constantly changing and evolving, you know, what, what that 27 to 32 actually is going to be. How do you consider the sort of cohort that you're putting together holistically? Well, you know, I don't think about it as much as maybe other schools do. I'm getting a feel for individuals and taking who I think is going to work in the program. And I'm very concerned about diversity and um, inclusivity. Mm -hmm. But in terms of which specific people, it's like it, you're, you're kind of let, let the magic of it work in terms of, you know, which ones say yes. And then you go, great. We're this is who we yeah. are. This is who said yes to us. Yeah, that is how yeah. I do it. Um, it probably I makes that. more sense to do it the other no, way, I think that, I think but it's I don't. <laughs> um, and then for you, if the artistic decision is a, yes, is a yes, what, if anything, do you need from the university in terms of academics or, you know, what do they need to submit and to, and to sort of get in? Um, how does that work? I mean, do you need to read essays? Do you need, are there letters of recommendation you look at? What are you looking at that's not the artistic part of it, if anything? My admissions department looks at that stuff. The, the, I think they do an essay, letters of recommendation, um, financial aid. Right. Um, all of that stuff is looked at through the admissions department. And it, do they ever say, sorry, I know you wanted that student, but it's a 2.5. We just can't make that happen. Or do you normally get the students? You mean you for want? a grade point average? 2 mm -hmm. um, no. no. I, I mean, I... I like a higher grade point average personally myself, but we don't have a required grade point average in the conservatory. Are they flagging essays? Are they ever saying like, "Ooh, this person's a terrible writer. Or, they didn't get a good recommendation from their voice teacher. Are you getting those kind of flags from admissions? Well, occasionally I get some of that stuff, but, um, and we'll talk it through. I mean, obviously we have a huge meeting where we're looking at all the students that we'd like and how many students are we going to accept. But, um, I think it, I think we're pretty good at sticking with, we, well, we have three people on the um, audition panel and those are scored. Mm -hmm. Every student is scored and all those scores are put through a data, database and then the scores are given. And then we kind of go through the scores so that we get a sense of what the three of us are responding to. And then from that, I might trump it with, you know, somebody who maybe didn't get such a great score, mm -hmm. but who I love and think will su be successful with us. Mm -hmm. So we kind of play around that way. Totally makes sense. Well, and you mentioned diversity being something that you really are looking for. You know, as a, as a new program, it seems like the COVID hit basically halfway through your lifespan, right? And and COVID, of course, we know uh, the the challenge with the disease, but then also what it bring up, brought up in terms of the racial reckoning the country uh, has been going through. H have you made any changes since 2020, um, or are you making changes still, or or what are what are the learnings, or what are you taking out of the those moments? Well, I came to the program in 2018, two years after the program was already in existence. So I took over as in leadership. When I came, I had been at Indiana University and Indiana University was really great at diversity training, at inclusiveness and at um, um, cultural inclusion training. Mm -hmm. So when I got to uh, um, MSM, I had a lot of training in place. And so I immediately started putting that in place at MSM. So by the time the pandemic hit and all of that happened, we were ahead of the game because we had already done a lot. The rest of the school kicked in really big time during that period and continued you know, to do that work in the other departments. 
Um, but I'm proud to say that musical theater was ahead of it and we have just now continued to have more support from the school in terms of what we can do. We do, off, um, before I arrived, they always gave anti-bias training and Title IX training to all faculty takes that every single year. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic thing. And it's a very thorough training that we do, which is great. Um, we cast inclusively, we always have, um, and we make an enormous effort to bring in underrepresented artists, which particularly from the perspective of creators, writers, mm -hmm. particularly, it's challenging. Um, Unfortunately, there haven't been that many for obvious reasons. The opportunities haven't been there. Um, and I have a lot of considerations in, in, in choosing the seasons because, of course, as many schools, true as of many schools, we have too many girls. We have more women than men. Mm -hmm. So you have to find shows. I promise every student that they will be in one show at least per year. Uh -huh. So in order to do that, we have to have shows that have a lot of women in them. So that's part of the consideration, gender considerations, um, gender representation considerations, um, and then of course, diversity. Do I have enough students of color to do, you know, um, once on this island? Mm -hmm. You know, if I don't, I can't do it. So picking the season is tricky and we have a lot of challenges, but we've been working through it and doing pretty well, I think. I love it. Um, all right, my last question for you is just, advice out there to the you know maybe especially to the parent listeners who've who've been enduring this podcast for the sake of their children um <laughs> you know if they're they're going through this process and you know a lot of them i really know nothing about this i don't know what, what i'm supposed to do How, what advice would you give to that parent maybe of a sophomore or junior who's just starting this process i would say does your child seem to have a real passion for the art form are they continually listening to Broadway scores? Are they, you know, surfing YouTube and all the other social medias to find content on musical theater and what's happening now? Um, if they have that, if you can determine that they have the passion, then I think you have to take their lead because if they've got the passion, then they'll know what they're looking for. Um, I mean, I think that's truly what I believe. And I think that that's, I had a parent in the other day on a admissions day, tours and whatnot that we did. And he said, you know, I don't know anything about musical theater, but I know my kid. Mm -hmm. And he said, and from, and I can tell what my kid is interested in. So that was really, I thought a great um, comment to really trust the student and then, of course, as a parent, you know, of course, there's financial considerations. And do you want your student in a big city like New York, you know, like New York City? Um, those are things that the family has to discuss. But from the artistic perspective, and do you want to pay four years of college for your student to graduate with a BFA or a BM in musical theater, which is a very risky thing to do? You know, there's no guarantee of success here. Sure. Um, absolutely no guarantee. So you, so that's why I'm really interested in the student who I can, if I can ascertain that they have drive mm -hmm. and passion and that they're going to do this come hell or high water, regardless of how many times they're rejected, that's the student I want. I love it. Okay. If people want to check out more information on MSM, where would you send them first? Websites, socials, how would you want them to be checking out more? Well, definitely the website, um, the website, uh, MSM um, web musical theater websites, pretty comprehensive. There's lots of um, information, a lot of photographs of our shows, as well as video on the shows that we've been um, permitted to do videos. You know, there's restrictions due to rights, but we do have a lot of video up there. Um, and then our faculty, I would look at the faculty bios. Um, I would also follow our Instagram, um, MSMMT Instagram. Uh, we do student takeovers on the performances. So you see um, lots of fun stuff with students backstage getting ready for shows. We just did something with the New York, New York, which is a Broadway show that's about to open their first preview. Mm -hmm. We were there and David Loud created a arrangement of New York, New York that 20 of our students went down and sang. They 
renamed the street John Kander Way and the mayor was there, it was a big deal. So that mm -hmm. was a great thing. That'll be up on the website. So you'll get a sense for all the different things we do. I love it. Um, well, Liza, thank you so much for the time. This was such a pleasure. You're so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Liza. I thought she was great. Very composed and grounded and thoughtful in representing what her program is and what it is growing to be. Um, and there's just no denying the growth that has happened under her leadership when I see the popularity rising amongst our students for that program. Um, I'm going to do a few small takeaways here. Uh, first, I love that she gave that example of a dad who didn't know musical theater but knew his kid. Uh, I talked about that a bit last episode with Shireen in giving some love to the stage parents out there and what is important in supporting your child. I also want to echo Liza's advice about the audition starting as soon as you walk in the room. We've talked about that in some different elements with interview questions and adjustments and slating and talking to the accompanist, etc. But it cannot be said too much how important the experience of meeting you is compared to just seeing your material. I always say colleges accept people, not performances. Part of the reason I continually ask that question of uh, what percentage skill versus what percentage intangibles is just to let you hear from different faculty members their perspective on how they get to know you and what that process is for them. And it is a huge part for most of these schools in their decision making, whether they say 50% or they say different for each thing. Of course, the answers are going to vary, but just how they, they do that process is, I think, what's most important there. But the larger takeaway I want to do was just about differing advice from different faculty members and maybe from a broader perspective about the way you consume that kind of advice generally. I'll use an example from today of Liza advising you not to do overdone repertoire um, or that she particularly enjoys seeing students' creativity in discovering different pieces and what they bring in the room. Avid listeners to this podcast will have heard other professors give what sounds like directly countering advice. Sometimes professors will say, hey, please don't worry about overdone lists. Just sing what you love. And a lot of people will say, sing what you love. Or even you have heard people say, I prefer when a piece isn't super obscure because I don't want to spend the whole audition thinking about the song and not the singer. I want to know the piece so that I can really uh, get to know you through the piece as opposed to sitting there thinking, this is a really good monologue. Who wrote this? Or I'm thinking about the composer or something like that. I think this is an example, like many questions in this process, where these are for the most part all right answers, right? What you really get into with questions like this is taste. Similar to questions about like risk material, we've talked about that before. Now, some of what you're doing in paying an experienced coach like MTCA is in helping guide you toward what might be a good artistic risk. Or in this case, a piece that is done often, but you might bring something unique to, or trying to find that balance of lesser known, but not completely off the map. But it is also so important, and this is what MTCA coaches certainly would help you with, that you get in touch with your artistic coach. If you ever have a coach, MTCA or otherwise, who tells you, hey, this piece is a great fit for you, and you don't feel that way, you should always listen to that voice, your own voice. It is you who's going to have to perform this piece hundreds of times throughout this you know, daunting, grueling audition process. And I think you would find, if you burrowed in with any of these professors and tried to find where they draw that line, even in their own advice, it is a pretty fluidly moving target. Right? If I'd stopped Liza and gone through specific examples, you may have been surprised which one she said, oh, well, you know, that one I do have a soft spot for. I'd hear that all day. Or, well, this wouldn't normally work, but it just fits this student like a glove. That universal advice of do what you love and reveal yourself in the room will always trump the more picayune line drawing of overdone or not known enough or any of these considerations. You got a little preview of this in me asking about the, the last five years requirement or the suggestion, I guess, that's on their website, which Liza gave a pretty good, yes, but, right? And that's incredibly common to happen, right? All the time, students will bend over backward to fit exactly what the school wants. And in the room, they'll say, sure, or yeah, whatever you got. If you want to sing this instead, that's fine too, right? It is, after all, your audition. And the truthful answer is that it's really hard to generalize this stuff in, in art. It's hard to make a list of do this, don't do this, this is the line, an age above this is inappropriate versus this uh, is appropriate. Like I, I'm gonna give you an example. In, in general, my personal taste is that I tend to like Shakespeare pieces that are not 
so obscure that I have to remind myself what's going on in the play and not so intercut that I'm distracted trying to repiece the thing together in my head where if I'm sitting there going like, is that Olivia's line? And then it jumps to there. Okay, it just pulls me out of the piece a little bit. But also, I tend to prefer not the most overdone pieces that I've seen a million times. So if you were auditioning for the Charlie Murphy School of Podcasting, this would be a good general rule to follow. And if you walked in and you told me, hey, I'm going to be doing To Be or Not To Be from Hamlet, my instinct would be to raise my eyebrows and say, okay, we'll see how this goes, right? You, would, you wouldn't be starting off on a great foot for me. That said, if you then proceeded to just crush that piece and make me understand something about Hamlet contemplating this decision that I'd never heard before, and maybe even more importantly, if I learned something about you in that portrayal that reveals something about what you know about this particular kind of introspection, it could be an enormous win for you. And it might make me sit forward and go, my God, what a brazen choice, and they pulled it off. So that's not to say that everybody should go out and do to be or not to be or do on my own or whatever it is, nor should they necessarily throw out that incredibly obscure gem of a song or a monologue that they love. And as we talked about before with threading the needle on pre-screens, you should also not feel like you have to have individual packages of material for every different school based on advice you heard on a podcast or read online. That's just not a realistic way to go through this process in a healthy way. You can and will switch up your material somewhat based on what the requirements are and what's in your book, but you should mostly be focused on presenting the best you as opposed to what you think they want to see. If we were to arrive at a rejection, it is so much easier to take a no to what you thought was your best foot forward than feeling like, oh, but I tried to do what you wanted and wondering if that bending that you did to follow their taste prevented them from meeting the real you. Well, there you go. Another fantastic episode is in the books. If that isn't worthy of a five-star rating and review, then I suggest you check your AirPods or your car stereo or your Bluetooth speakers, wherever you're listening to this episode. There may be an issue on your end. It may be an audio problem there. A big thanks to Megan Cordier for producing, to all of you for listening, and please follow and subscribe to both this podcast and all of our socials media, including at Mapping the College Auditions, at, oh, I put an S on there, it's at Mapping the College Audition on Instagram and MTCA on all social platforms. You can also reach out to us directly to get some of our good taste in helping your college prep at mtcollegeauditions.com where you will also get to see all of our fantastic senior results on May 1st. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, what if there actually was a school that made everybody sing music from Jason Robert Brown's musical, The Last Five Years? We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.